Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 28th, 2021, Palm Sunday. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And Bruce, how are you today? I feel like if we were not socially distanced by, what, 10 miles or something, I would give you a high five Ooh. so that we'd have Palm Sunday. And this is the end of your podcast for March 28th. <laughs> that was a long way around the block for a very dumb joke. <laughs> that it, that it was a decent walk. Uh, and I'm going to ponder the next few minutes whether or not it was worth it. But uh, I'll keep it to myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, I mean, shoot. Uh, here... here um, um, in relative quickness, I should say, I, I guess since we've been doing this for over a year, uh, quarantined, um, we will be getting back to uh, high-fiving palms um, uh, or the possibility of such uh, um, at some point in time. We're we're uh, we're, yeah. we're 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 getting getting to, into the the vaccinations. Uh, so. Uh, uh, I have are... now had two shots. Yeah, yeah, you're. you're... Oh, and I also got vaccinations too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, rain me in. <laughs> yeah, uh, that last one might not have been a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rare form, Bruce today. Uh, <laughs> hold on, let me catch up. Um, and uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, Palm Sunday. It's. I mean, uh, we are. We're through. We're almost through Lent. We're almost yep. into Easter. Uh, um, just it's just uh, it's it's insane to me that the the time has been going by in such a such Truly. a way. Um, so uh, so, it, but it's 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 exciting. It's a it's it's nice outside as we're recording this. I think it's sixty degrees. Um, and for some things, I'm just not going to complain. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah so and and obviously uh, I think we said it last week and there's a whole bunch of things on the website and uh, on the our YouTube channel but uh, next week uh, for Palm Sunday we are uh, intending to meet in person with uh, windows open or all the windows open so fresh air is pouring through and still masked and socially distant but in person in and person in the building. And uh, we'll still be broadcasting uh, live, fingers crossed, knock on wood, should no uh, technology demons bite us uh, uh, unexpectedly, but uh, that, that certainly is the intention. So we are also entering a new era on that, because we've never, uh, other than our Ash Wednesday service, which was our first foyer to uh, um, uh, live broadcast, we, we isn't something that we've been doing on Sunday morning. So um, right. it's, it's ushering in... Uh, something new that it, the intention is to continue on uh, with. So right. um, uh, at least on and this, where will they find that? Uh, they will find it at HFEC videos on YouTube, but it's also going to be linked everywhere, including our uh, um, Facebook page, uh, our, our, uh, our, our website, HFEC.org or holyfamilyfishers.org. Um, uh, it'll be linked all over the place, but it, it, right. it will be live broadcast on YouTube. 
uh, at HFEC videos. Uh, and uh, so that's uh, and remind the time, Bruce, because uh, we oh. have been doing a nine o'clock watch party on Facebook, uh, but it's not a nine o'clock service. This is an eight yeah. and ten, correct? Yeah, with only the ten o'clock being live streamed over YouTube. Correct. <clears throat> so there is an eight. Um, uh, so, so back to uh, uh, normal service hours. Um, yeah, uh, though uh, I will say. Um, the way that we're going to work this is to keep socially distant. We'll have to limit the main sanctuary to about, oh, I forget the exact figure, the percentage. But anyway, it will be 55 pe people in there. Mm -hmm. And so once we get above that, you'll people will have to sit in the parish hall or the narthex with live TV coverage. Mm -hmm. Um so if you really want to be guaranteed a seat in the church, eight o'clock is your safest bet. Yeah, yeah, um, that that is. So that's, usually that's that's twenty people on a on a usual Sunday. So I think I can pretty much guarantee there'll be seating for anyone who walks through the door mm -hmm. in the church at the eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So there that that'll be that'll be happening. The the eight o'clock, the ten o'clock. There's going to be uh, no live music. Um, uh, because of uh, current restrictions still, but uh, um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, uh, masked, socially distant, windows open. You you do get communion, but it will only be in the form of the consecrated bread. Okay, okay, and that's obviously that's only if uh, if you feel comfortable too. It's always yeah, kinda, always yeah, it's has not, been in so. The, in the Episcopal <clears throat> Church, we don't require church attendance in order to get into heaven that week. So <laughs> it's a it, it's got a one week expiration date. You got to come back the next week and. It seems like some denominations treat it that way. Uh, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I've been to one or two. So yeah, when it feels right, when it is right for your household, that's when we hope we'll see you. Until mm -hmm. then, be safe. Yeah, be absolutely. So yeah, we're. we're um, we're, uh, it's a good thing we waited uh, until you know the 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 die down time of uh, church attendance uh, to to try to try this out. Uh, but uh, you know what, the numbers are right, and and uh, yeah. the fact that it's Palm Sunday leading into Easter um, really isn't so much a factor. It's a uh, it's it's we have the ability to, and I think we have the uh the, the the structure to do so so it sounds as though this is now is the now's the time even though it's it's like uh it's it's one of the busier times of the church year uh so yeah it's certainly one of the highlights uh, though what a number of people have warned me is it's also in the public schools in the region for some of them it's a spring break mm -hmm. and so people who have been lockdown for a year may decide to travel this time and so we may have the, the lowest attendance for a holy week ever <laughs> see who, who the told, highest we just don't know <laughs> who told who told bruce of this uh possibility I, I i like the idea better of uh you worrying as to why there weren't people <laughs> <laughs> And maybe just a little Where'd bit of sweat. Where go? <laughs> just a little bit of sweat as to what happened and what 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 you said to make this a, a thing. Um, but, well, that, but all right, I mean, you forewarned them. I'm yeah. I I've been around the block enough that I'm not really worrying about it because it's mm -hmm. so beyond my control. But there's certainly 
on the internet, there are bazillions of clergy worried about whether anyone will come back to church. I mean, massive amounts of digital ink are being spilled over that concern by clergy. Mm -hmm. So I, I know the worry is out there and I'm trying to just keep it stuffed under the mattress or wherever it should live. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Uh, always healthy to just, you know, shove it back deep down inside. Um, <laughs> Uh, goodness. So, but yeah, uh, a lot of that is going on. It's very exciting. Um, uh, so, so definitely we encourage you to, uh, join us, um, this Sunday, um, if yeah. you are comfortable and if you're not, you know what, join us online. Uh, that, that and, is also stuff. And in all honesty, I hope we have some people that watch online and then give us some feedback about how it goes, because that'll be the honest thing is a lot of the folks who have been very um, diligent and helpful in giving this online with the Facebook watch parties and stuff mm -hmm. will be in the seats. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be hard to get as much feedback about what the experience is. Are we doing a good job of presenting what um, worship is like sure. on a Sunday morning? Sure. And uh, uh, it would be my personal encouragement to say as much as you can about uh, how badly uh, we need more money invested in <laughs> the technology. So just as a favor to me uh, so that I can get uh, I can get a little bit more budget money. Uh, just com complain away uh, uh, in, in, in whatever way you see fit that, that seems to convey the idea that if we just threw... A little bit more financial effort behind that'd be great well, I, i'm picturing some someone who knows nothing about technology walking up to me with an index card saying you know if only we had an x57-3 <laughs> the live with, stream would be with so an, much with an better slr converter and uh yeah exactly <clears throat> i mean yeah, so if uh, if you want to be my plant, uh, feel free to reach out to me <laughs> at shortcut at hfec.org, and you and I will talk. Uh, so, but in the meantime, let in us in the meantime let us move on to our person of the day, uh, and uh, your person, Bruce, is Irwin St. John Tucker, uh, and I'll give you the uh, years of his birth and death. 1886 to 1982, Erwin St. John Tucker. Wow. And it's okay if, it, it, honestly, the, the, the idea is to highlight people that are lesser known. Uh, so if you don't know who it is, that's actually... For the sake of time, I'll just concede now. Oh, see, I, I did kind of want to get a little guess. Something, just a little something. <laughs> <laughs> okay this will be a complete shot in the dark generic if this was on the final what would i write in okay yes uh, mr tucker was a well-known east coast figure in the episcopal church who enriched the worship life of the entire denomination with his contributions you know um you could potentially get close here uh but in a way, the, one of the reasons why I chose him is because he has something that I, I think would be a potential uh, uh, a divisive uh, uh, entry into our history. Um, 
not overly divisive, uh, but he was a priest and social activist. So he was a primary figure in, in ruffling some feathers, uh, especially of the time. Um, he was born in Mobile, Alabama, uh, but he uh, became a priest in 1913 and left for, uh, uh, from New York, uh, where he lived at that point in time. Uh, for Chicago to become the managing editor of the Christian Socialist, and I think they're in, right. So, uh, uh, what what year was that? Uh, that was nineteen fourteen. Okay, yeah, that's when uh, socialism was a mm-hmm. mainstream political party. Yeah, uh, he served as a non parochial priest, uh, and he opposed. American involvement in World War One and became an, a leading anti-war propagandist. Uh, from 1927 to 54, he was priest in charge of St. Stephen's Church in Chicago. Um, and again, I just got drawn to this story. In 1954, yeah. he converted to Roman Catholicism and was deposed from the ordained ministry of the Episcopal Church in, uh, later on that year. Um, however, he continued as a lay person, uh, and was reinstated at the age of 84 in 1970, uh, right. Uh, and during much of his time in Chicago, he worked for the Chicago American Herald, uh, Herald American, sorry, uh, since some people might actually, uh, have grown up in the Chicago uh, area. Much of his time, he worked for the Chicago Herald American, uh, a newspaper in Chicago, and stressed that Christianity and socialism share the ideal of economic and social justice and emphasize emphasis on the unity of humanity. And here's the quote that they give right before they mentioned that he died in Chicago. So this is the last thing about him. Um, He insisted that, and this is a quote, socialism without Christianity is a corpse and Christianity without socialism is little better than a ghost. Whoa. That's, yeah. That's some good writing. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. Um, uh, um, and and uh, to, to avoid getting into um, socialism, anti-socialism uh, conversation, uh, I, I think the, the middle of the road, uh, very Episcopalian thing to do is to point out that not all uh, uh, political social movements are, are without merit uh, and uh, or uh, easily dismissed, and so some aspects of socialism, y- yeah, I can understand why uh, uh, he might uh, have a viewpoint here and be kind of become kind of uh, uh, an activist in 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 this area. Um, yeah, and I'm sure he he clearly was not the only one either. So um, no, no, and I'm I'm a student of American history as well as. Uh, as I call myself a church nerd. And in that period of the turn into the 20th century, there were many, many social movements to try to counter the Gilded Age and the robber barons and the huge exploitation of child labor, immigrant labor, low-skilled labor that Mm -hmm. produced the labor movements. Um, and that was what American socialism wa- was primarily concerned with, those issues, mm-hmm. and as well as women's right to vote. Um, to a lesser extent, 
they were concerned about racial justice. And mm. so it was it was not what now gets tarred as socialism of we're going to take away everything you own and share it with everyone else. It was more people um, need to be treated better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of nuances to the early 1900s socialism movements in the U.S. that became very compromised by the success of the Russian Revolution in the name of socialism and how quickly that degraded into totalitarianism. Right. And really disappointed a lot of American socialists. Yeah, and uh, and, and honestly, uh, uh, again, maybe to dip a toe into the current waters, uh, uh, <laughs> that... That really is what colors the, I think, the modern, especially American understanding of socialism uh, today is, is that specifically, I think, that, um, that, that Russian um, um, result, uh, which then uh, um, timeline-wise leads to uh, uh, additional uh, socialist advances there in... in um, um, the continent, the continent of Asia, uh, specifically right. China and other uh, other uh, regions like that. So, um, it, that really was kind of like the tipping point for what we currently understand today to be socialism. Um, and uh, and uh, I I would I would uh, I would gather that Erwin uh, uh, St. John Tucker probably was not was count him among those disappointed by. Um, I imagine so. Yeah. I, I have no idea who he was. So I, I'm just guessing. Sure. And saying that I'm, I bet he was disappointed. And again, around the 1910s and thereabouts, there were socialism, socialist parties in most of the, if not all the Western democracies mm -hmm. and none of them anticipated or sought the type of result of the, uh, the Russian Revolution, the um, Chinese takeover by Mao and all that. Mm -hmm. um, instead, it was just a general societal um, reform movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, I think, our first... Uh, um, well, that's probably not true. They're, they're, we've probably covered somebody who could be labeled an activist uh, uh, yeah, before yeah. in the past. Uh, but... Uh, um, one of the one of the benefits of of of, uh, of people like Erwin uh, St. John Tucker is that the the he spurs a conversation. Uh, yes. Very clearly passionate about it, um, uh, as you pointed out, some really good writing right there. <laughs> um, uh, that's a pretty daggone good phrase, um, uh, and and it kind of creates a uh, it creates an environment for uh, further under you know questions, further understanding, uh, and and uh, um, sometimes you gotta get made a little uncomfortable so that you can question and reevaluate. Uh, so it's that, I have a feeling he was probably good at that <laughs> yeah and one one more thing i'll take the opportunity to point out is that interesting feature of him becoming roman catholic for mm -hmm. a while mm -hmm. the the roman catholic church until the really until the cold war was eh, a little before the cold war was um very much into so in the u.s especially very much into social reform movements mm. that there were all sorts of people and chicago was a hotbed of what we would now call progressive Catholicism. Mm. And so he probably found a lot of people who 
believed the way he did and were activists the way he was in the Roman pews rather than the Episcopal pews of that time, which now the it's really reversed, where the Episcopal church in the U.S. tends to be much more progressive than the mm-hmm. Roman Catholic mm-hmm. church in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then as the Roman Catholic church started to get more conservative and the Episcopal church started to become more liberal, he came back to the Episcopal church. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it kind of does show you uh, uh, the the um where his his interests really did lie was not in the higher necessarily in the hierarchy uh but more in the in in the uh where the getting stuff done and where the importance of the church was uh focused on so um yeah um so yeah so i find the niche and there's probably a probably some really interesting information out there somewhere about uh about that that split uh, uh chances yeah. are there was probably something or a series of things uh, or decisions or um statements made uh that made uh him move one way or the other on it uh, so there's rich rich with uh, potential detail that is just a but a snippet uh i'm sure of his life story so um yeah if we weren't you know if i was up to my hips and holy week bulletins i'd Go out and find his biography. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, at some point in time, you won't be. So again, Erwin yeah. St. John Tucker. Uh, so Summer feel free to write it, write it down and search for it later. Um, but uh, something that you don't have to search for, because I'm going to bring it to you just right now, is Isaiah 45, 21 through 25. It's our first reading of the day. <clears throat> and... Uh, as you get ready to read that, let me say one introduction to the liturgy, to the worship. Oh, please, yes. We will at Holy Family be observing, celebrating only Palm Sunday. We will not be doing what some churches do, including probably the majority of Episcopal churches, of celebrating Passion Sunday, Passion referring to Jesus' suffering and death. So mm-hmm. all of our readings are strictly focused on Palm Sunday and might be a little bit different than what you might find on uh, Internet liturgical calendar or if you also have uh, one foot in another congregation. Mm, yeah, that, that's that's a that is a fair point. Uh, and and I, I, I will I will uh, uh, confirm what Bruce has said uh, as he had to email them to me so that I didn't have right. to jump back and forth between several options uh there's there's a lot of liturgies uh around um uh this season so there there are some here and some there that uh, get pulled together to to be specifically about palm sunday so um so yeah so this first reason reading that we're uh reading is like i said from isaiah chapter 45 verse 21 through 25 declare and present your case let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? There is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is no one besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Only in the Lord 
it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. All who were incensed against him shall come to him and be ashamed. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall triumph and glory. So, chapter 45, that's the area of Isaiah that I'm, I start to get unsure as to which author it is, but I'm going to guess that's the, that's the third. Yeah. By 45. Okay. Because um, I think the split is believed to be somewhere in the early 40s. Um, I could be wrong on that. But, um, okay. So this is as oh, they're... wait. Pro- you know, okay. I double checked. I was wrong. Okay. It's actually second. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad I turned a page. <laughs> okay. Yeah, third doesn't start till chapter 56. Oh, 56. I was way wrong. um well i was right with you in that and i was i was going by the um subject yeah the style content Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it does kind of feel um i I know 30 long (laughs) well long time listeners will will know that uh that uh, uh second isaiah is uh while um the israelites are are in captivity in babylon yeah uh, and then third is as they're preparing and maybe even starting on the journey to return home. Right. Um, is is kind of like the thematic difference. And this does kind of sound as though like, um, you know, the, the, the return home. But um, and it is getting really close. Yeah. So then um, what is the context then of of uh, this statement? Declare and present your case. Let them uh, take counsel together. Who, what? Sounds like we're talking about something important. What are we talking about? Well, this is one of those readings where I wish we had started one verse earlier, but I realized on a Sunday it would be disorienting. So let me read verse 20 since we have time to unpack it. Sure. It reads, Assemble yourselves and come together. Draw near, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge. Those who carry about their wooden idols... And keep on praying to a God that cannot save. So Hmm. this is the, that begins the passage we have. And it is a, it is about God's God saying, I'm the one true God. Mm -hmm. And the, the historical context is that the king of Babylon was in a losing war and as an attempt to consolidate his forces, had all of the false idols, though, of course, he didn't think they were false idols, but wooden statues brought to Babylon, to the capital, so that he'd have all of their powers assembled when the final battle would commence. So people have been watching these processions of ritual objects coming past them on the roads, um, including mm. all of the enslaved Israelites, uh, out of an act of desperation. Mm. So, this is God saying, "Give it up already!" <laughs> right? They, okay. You know, you 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 are literally experiencing how useless your gods are. Um, that you think you have to get them inside the walls in order to have be of any help. And yet you still think they're better than me. Hmm. So, and especially for, um, 
I would imagine one of the factors here is, you know, the Israelites, one of the concerns would always, I, I think, possibly be that they would, um, they would leave. They would leave the, um, the, uh, or forget the, uh, their, their relationship with God. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's stronger than, than, uh, than, than, uh, being worried that they would flat stop, uh, worshiping, but that you would, they would forget or they would become colored by, um, uh, the dye in the water, which is their, their, their this Babylonian influence, uh, and and so words would have to be written to remind uh, to to remind this of, for the Israelites of like, see, this is you know this is your reminder that this is not. Yeah, go back that horse. It's a losing right. horse. Wasn't uh, it? Wasn't the horse one of their literal icons? I'm trying to remember. You know, I think so. I, I, okay. I, I wasn't sure if you were doing that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> okay i couldn't remember it yeah i wasn't sure if that was intentional or not uh but no. uh, since you said subconscious i'm not going to give you credit um <laughs> please don't yeah <laughs> um, and please don't build up the ego of my subconscious <laughs> it's insane oh, okay. as it is <laughs> <laughs> i have no comment on that um <laughs> but anyway so um so yes you're completely correct one of the ongoing themes of human existence both jewish and christian in the bible is how people so easily get swayed by whatever culture they're in to follow mm -hmm. their that culture's false gods whether it's money or fame or power or wooden idols what whatever is current and stylish christians and jews have walked away from the one true god or at least said yeah you're good on sundays but monday through saturday this is what i'm going to follow and mm -hmm. this is god saying look <laughs> this isn't your last chance but you're going to really be hurting if you think those wooden dudes are going to what going to be who keeps you safe when there's a change of leadership right when the babylonian king falls and the invading king takes over you know, don't don't put your bets on those wooden statues that are going to be burned in a bonfire yeah yeah um now what about this um what about this quote here to to me every knee shall bow every tongue shall swear um i i, I think I, I don't know how many other people uh, uh heard that or will read that and think to themselves wait a minute that's not the quote i thought it was every tongue shall confess so i'm not sure if that's a a a um, a translation change that I just have somewhere in, in the back of my mind, maybe from a, a different translation upbringing, uh, but it's also a quote. So we're, I guess first and foremost, let's uh, let's tackle the quote. Where is that quote coming from? I have to admit, I'm not completely sure. Okay. Um, I'm just double checking. Yeah, all the all the citations here in my Bible are to New Testament writings particularly by paul um and so that may be where it could be translated as confess but this is part of this is part of god saying all these all these people who were so powerful mm -hmm. for decades or centuries and thought it was because they were following lively powerful gods which were fault which turned out to be false now they that experience 
of their gods being useless will cause those folks to um, swear by the one true God rather than by the false gods. Hmm. And part of that is at the beginning of the verse, God saying, but myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that this is a, a almost satire of a human oath because this and this is showing that God is the highest God there is because in the human oath you would have inserted the name of one of these false idols that you know all sorts of science fiction and fantasy movies use. I swear by the gods of da 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 da. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's basically, basically that construction comes from this, this tradition and God saying, look, I can only swear by myself upon myself because there really is nothing more than me. Hmm. So at the time people would be going, dude, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Because just totally blew away a very common construct. Right, right. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I got, uh, when you when you were uh, uh, talking about um, uh, com a very common phrase in science fiction, I don't know why my mind immediately went to a Galaxy Quest, of all things. Yeah! Um, by Grabthar's Hammer. <laughs> that's right that's I mean, it's a satire uh, that's a great movie i think yeah you know, a wonderful is. satire of all <clears throat> sorts of science fiction and fantasy genres and that that's part of what they capture yep uh, uh best star trek movie ever uh prove me wrong um but, uh, <laughs> i come at love me. the scene of trying come at to me take fellow nerds out for the first time and <laughs> yeah. scraping the sides like a 16 year old driver the first day yep. driving a car <laughs> And, and, and you know, in a, in a way, uh, isn't isn't that a, a perfect metaphor for uh, our own <laughs> our own spirituality or relationship with God? Uh, it does just... preach, as the <laughs> sure it does, because because uh, yeah, that that a lot There's of times when I'm doing infinity out there, and yep. we're scraping the sides, can't get yep. out of the dock. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, how often have I attempted to do something uh, in 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 good name for you know for for uh, the kingdom of God and it felt like I'm just scraping the edge, but I make it through it by the very end, and I'm like, anyone, no one noticed that, right? Are we good? <laughs> It'll buff out. <laughs> It'll buff right out. Uh. uh Goodness, there! Shoot, that could be the metaphor for this very podcast. Um, yes, <laughs> um, the entire near three years of, of it now. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, so that's I mean uh, that that is a that is a, an interesting reading. Then also then to take into, into consideration uh, what it's being read for. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, Palm Sunday. Um, this. Uh, um, kind of triumphant, um, uh, uh, you know, parade of of sorts, um, which then, of course, later gets juxtaposed with uh, um, uh, the the uh, crucifixion later on uh, that week. Yeah. But um, 
as far as this reading goes, you know, hey, what you're what you're about to experience here during Holy Week, uh, just remember, <laughs> there are no other gods but me, um, and uh, um, uh, to, to, yeah, in, in so many ways, Palm Sunday reenacts the the flight of the Babylonians back to Babylonia with their false idols mm-hmm. and sprinting out of fear on Palm Sunday. It's the wonderful entry of the one true God into God's city mm-hmm. and the God who will save and redeem. Yep. Yep. Beautiful imagery there. Um, anything more about this before we move on to Philippians? Probably should just move on. Well, let's move on. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, I can see why these uh, two readings work together, for sure. Um, um, It's passing kind of along that torch of um, uh, um, what God said here in, in uh, Isaiah is now being applied to, um, to, to Jesus. Um, it was it last week though. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was last week, I think. wasn't Wasn't last week the reading from Hebrews that we had this discussion about um, um, the uh, that the author of it was uh, of the opinion that Christ, or kind of hinted at the opinion that Christ was uh, ha- like it had decided to 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 do uh, what he did. Where was that? Yeah. I, I seem to remember having this conversation. I think just, that was just last week. Yeah, I think that was last week. I kind of get a similar feeling from this reading, uh, um, and so I'm I'm I, I'm trying to hash this out uh, uh, kind of on the fly, um, but <clears throat> there's there was something about um, you know he did he didn't exploit it uh, although I think that that's still um, maybe and maybe maybe it's just the way I read it to myself. Um, <laughs> Part of the fun of Bible reading. (laughs) Right, right. And being found in human form. I think that was the the phrase that made me go, what what do you mean found? Um, Wasn't he made in human form? Wasn't he sent in human form? It's kind of of an interesting formation of those those words. But but maybe um, Philippians is not so structured as Hebrews was um, in that that thought. what what is it? I'm floundering here. What is what is it you would like to say about Philippians? <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> nothing. Moving on. Uh, 
No. Uh, um... Well, two things um, immediately. Mm -hmm. One is that most of this passage is Paul quoting from earlier Christian texts, probably mm. stuff that was said in church. So verse, basically verses 6 um, through 11 are, for just to use shorthand, are two different hymns that are being quoted. Oh, okay. And in, in my Bible translation, it actually has them as poetry with a stanza break between eight hmm. and nine. Hmm. Um, so this, these would be like doxologies that would have been sung during church. Um, so it was the chapter five was Paul's creation of introdu introducing these, but folks who were hearing these read would have immediately known, oh yeah, that's our favorite hymn. Hmm. And perhaps would even remember the rest of the hymn. It's sort of like a preacher today can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And he doesn't right. have to, he or she doesn't have to say anything more. People, uh, for the <clears throat> most part, will remember at least that first stanza of the hymn, amazing grace. Right. Yeah. So part of the fun of it is not knowing what else Paul may have been referring to in terms of the rest of the work, but it, mm -hmm. it still creates a very powerful um, portion of the letter. Yeah, and 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 especially the information, or the the point of view that Paul is is sharing here, um, is a very interesting, you know, theological thought. Um, uh, that okay just consider for a second um the uh a choice made here that christ being equal with god as as identified in in verse six was something expressly unexploited uh that rather right. than utilizing that equality and that level of power and authority um for personal individual gain uh he instead pours himself out entirely uh always every time um paul uses that kind of that similar phrase of being emptied i always think of a picture uh, a pitcher of like water just emptying yeah. himself uh taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on a cross uh um that you had this um, immense potential power and instead turned and poured it out and shared uh, it to the benefit of humanity instead. Especially um, the least of those in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the... the um, is is the way the way that verse eight is phrased here? Even it, there's a, like a a couple of dashes to indicate kind of a pause. Even death on a cross. So he became obedient obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross is the implication that um, even death on a cross was like uh, uh, insulting and embarrassing to him. A level of 
pain widely known uh in the yeah. community is like the worst death that he could he could undergo like what's the yeah. what's the, the the pause implies like there's some extra level of importance of that kind of death is is it a yeah combination i mean of it, it wasn't that he died by jumping in front of a chariot saving a small child and being instantly killed by the wheels mm-hmm. it's instead you know this this very long torturing death that in our in the biblical accounts um didn't let the actual hanging on the cross didn't last very long but in the historical accounts we have from other sources of how the romans did crucifixions which were very common Mm -hmm. uh, it was often a much longer experience 12 hours or more of someone dying this excruciatingly slow death so yeah this was this was about the worst thing possible on the physical suffering level also it was considered um for lack of a better term embarrassing it was so public it was done at crosses were set up at crossroads all over the roman empire um what the one of the unusual things that took place in the account of jesus's death was the removal of jesus from the cross most people who were crucified their remains were left there as a reminder uh to obey mm-hmm. the romans um and so particularly in jewish practice there was there were some doubts about whether you'd get into heaven if since your remains were not buried hmm. properly but instead eaten by dogs and vultures interesting that kind of informs the um that kind of informs the the conversation uh that he later has while being nailed to the like while being on the cross with the the um individual on his left and the individual on his right uh i don't think i'd ever put that two and two together there on how one of them how he says to one of them that you know hey you'll i tell you the truth today you'll be with me in heaven Mm-hmm. yeah that was a radical thing to hear because that because that also then would kind of solve that uh, that discussion, <laughs> finalize that discussion of like no 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 it doesn't matter <laughs> you know yeah what happens what happens to your remains uh, does not affect your ability or inability to get well, into and, heaven it's yeah I mean it, it again Rome is not in charge of this God is in terms of right. your um, infinite fate hmm. so don't give that power to the Romans don't don't fall for the myth that if the romans kill you in this way god's hands are tied about saving right. you. go back to isaiah and see nope god god can't right. save in any circumstances they have no no real power um you you had started to say that there were two things that you were going to say about uh this passage we covered one for sure did we cover the other or do you remember what the second one was <laughs> um did i sidetrack uh, you <laughs> well you had you had great stuff so i wouldn't call it a sidetrack oh, oh. you maybe you maybe took please, us in a better direction than i was going to go <laughs> I, um, I, you that's usually not the well case. the big i th- i think okay think of movies like bruce almighty or others where 
a human gets divine powers mm -hmm. and depending on the tone of the movie there's often the i can eat all the cake i want kind of scenes mm -hmm. and so in some ways the and it, you know this this passage refers to that kind of human concept of well you know if i were a god I'd just be sitting back and eating figs and wine all day. I don't know about you, Josephus. And <laughs> right. Yeah, so this this is Paul saying, look, no, that's that's not what Jesus chose to do. Not for a mm. moment. Yeah, even I mean, Paul doesn't refer to this directly, but we know from readers of the gospels that even when Jesus was in the desert for forty days. He did not produce for himself miraculous nourishment; mm -hmm. just kept going. And similar, and similarly, you know, was willing to die on the cross rather than do a last-minute revelation of "Ta-da! I am God! Look at this! Zap, zap, zap!" or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which I've had more than one youth group member ask me, why didn't Jesus do that? Um, you know, do, do the, you think you got me, but no, you don't. <laughs> that is so common right. in American action movies. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing what, both what Jesus did. But to me, it's also amazing that the Christian community so early on was able to create these beautiful writings that Paul quoted that in many ways help us to step towards what is unexplainable but mm -hmm. can still inspire us into deep belief. Yeah, that's a that's an undertaking for sure. I mean, I, I do not envy the early writers of like, all right, so how am I going to explain? You know, I mean, you, yeah. especially as a, as a kid, uh, you have plenty of those, how am I going to explain this to my parents uh, <laughs> moments? Uh, that's essentially what these writers, how am I going to explain this to these people? Uh, well, I guess I'm just going to start writing and see, what, you know, see where it goes. <clears throat> um, what, a, what, a, what a daunting undertaking. Um Anything else about this uh, before we move on? No, to... that's pretty good for now. Okay. So our gospel reading will be Mark uh, uh, chapter 11, not Luke, inside joke, uh, <laughs> 1 through 11. So Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden, untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the, round, on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Um, <clears throat> I know in years past we've had a fun discussion about uh, the colt or it being a donkey and one of them um, one of the writers basically wrote that it was both just so that yeah. there would be like a, uh, <laughs> a cohesion <laughs> right um, and I know I, I feel as though we've had a discussion about uh, what has been um, uh, what was used to cover the road um uh because I, I feel like there's a difference between one gospel uh writing of it being yeah. the cloaks and one gospel uh writing being just palms uh and this one clearly identifies uh th that both were done um so i don't know we've had, we've had uh several of these over the years uh uh what what's the thing that you would like to point out to uh to the uh the uh, uh people here at home about this one well, the um, just in case people were intrigued, only in John Gospel of John are palms mentioned. In, okay. In the others, so it's, it's only John. Yeah, in the in the other three Gospels, it's branches and clothing. Okay. Uh, and you know, I don't want to talk about the Gospel that's not sitting here with us too much, but for John, that was the slap in the face of the Romans because palms in Roman um, art were a sign of power. And mm, mm. Okay, so, so the imagery is the current power being laid, Jesus, laid at his feet. Yeah, and Jesus literally trampling the Roman power. Mm. And Jesus not even lowering himself to walk on it with his feet but instead it's a donkey and you know so it's like not only is he, he dancing on the on the roman flag he's not even dancing with his own feet instead it's with a stupid animal hmm uh, so it's it's really really insulting to the romans but it's done so subtly that as Romans arrested Christians and would read their documents, it wasn't obvious enough to necessarily draw a death sentence. Interesting. Whereas if Jesus was saying, the heck with Caesar, and people had that written on their walls at home as, they, as followers of Christ, then they would have been taken out and beheaded or crucified or whatever the Romans wanted to do. Right. Um, Mark also there, there hints that at at a, at a another possible narrative, I guess, had it just not been so late in the day. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious as to what what your your take on uh, verse 11 here is. That uh, so he he enters the city, he goes to the temple, he looks around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What was like, if the, if it had been early, um, would he have done something different? Like, what's the? Well, in, um, 
Luke, and I'm just double checking, yeah, and in Matthew, this is when the cleansing of the temple takes place. Mm. Whereas in Mark, um, it doesn't take place until either Monday or Tuesday. Mark's not completely clear on the chronology. He's a little shaky on, well, shaky's not the right word. He's just not too doesn't care too much about exactly which day each thing took place but mm. i think this is more the power move where jesus goes in looks around and then doesn't bust up the place yet and it, it shows that he gets to do things on his schedule hmm that he does, you know, and he's not doing it out of a knee-jerk reaction. He looks around. Okay, this is what the temple's like. And in Mark, the, it, this is the first time Jesus has been in the temple in his whole life. Okay. Okay. So that's I, I should have said that at the beginning. In, in Luke, he makes a prior visit. In John, it's he's been there many times. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Mark, first time, first time he's been in Jerusalem. And so it's the old thing of, of the, the toughest guy is the one who doesn't have to prove himself. So right. Jesus walks in, looks around. Okay, yeah. Yep, this is my father's house. So this is my territory as well. And I'm just making that up in terms of what he might so, be thinking. But then the next day he comes and um, takes and reforms the temple instantly by mm. um driving out the money changers and the sellers of pigeons so so by your narrative uh piggybacking on mark's narrative he was there casing the joint yes <laughs> <laughs> okay all right interesting yeah, you know, dark it, glasses and a big gulp trying to look inconspicuous. <laughs> right, no. Right, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> no. Uh -huh. I mean, that's it, where it, the tables will be. That's where the... <laughs> well, and, but the, you know, it, it certainly, Mark implies that he was by this point famous enough that people would say, hey, that's Jesus. That, mm -hmm. That's the guy who's been preaching in the Galilee for all this time. We're finally getting to see him. Uh, wait a minute, where's he going? You know, he, he's hmm. not going to dance to the tune of the people in the temple he'll come right. back when it's his time to do what he has to do next hmm. that, that 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 is interesting also though that the there's there's that difference of writing of this being his first time uh in mark but it's written differently in the other gospels as to whether he's been there before and how often yeah. and um and and then the following verses, the various events and stories, are about Jesus's authority. Mm -hmm. I mean, following the well, it includes cleansing the temple, but he then, and so in this pat in this in the Holy Week of Mark, Jesus comes into Jer Jerusalem quite triumphantly, and goes into the temple checks it out by going into it he claims it for god mm -hmm. and then the next day comes back and fairly effortlessly 
cleans it out of the money changers and the pigeon sellers. That's exactly what uh, Mark says is there are the people there mm -hmm. and then gets to keep walking around and repeatedly comes back to the temple through Holy Week and has conversations with the scribes and Pharisees and other people in um, in the temple. And so it's this interesting thing where he really does act as God's voice in the temple until what we now call Monday, Thursday, and the evening of it, until he's arrested. Hmm. Hmm. So Mark really stresses how Jesus has all authority. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and and that plays very well with the other readings uh, than than chosen, as it's a continuing of uh, authority and power and right and uh, uh, the 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 lineage of uh, God to the Son. So, um, <clears throat> anything else about this uh, this Mark reading before we sign off for the day? Well, I need to say something for the sermon, so I'll just say no at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so. So uh, be beforehand, uh, just re read and reread uh, this this uh, verse to see if uh, the section, just to see if you can figure out what the what the sermon might be about. Then, because uh, I'm assuming that means we haven't covered it. That's right. Ooh, cool. <laughs> no, fantastic! I'm, ex I'm totally exaggerating. But oh, okay. If, if... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna get the Sunday. <laughs> Right. We're going to get to Sunday and people are going to be like, wait a minute. That was totally covered in the podcast. <laughs> but he lied. Know. He lied to me. <laughs> the, uh, but in all seriousness, read through the um, Last Supper in um, or read to the arrest of Jesus, which is. Okay. In 1443, um, I mean, chapter 14, verse 43. Verse and you, 43. And you can right. see how, mu how much Mark wants to demonstrate Jesus's authority by placing some of the key teachings that the other gospel writers scatter through their gospels, placing those in the words of Jesus while he's teaching in the temple. It's something that we a lot hmm. of times just don't think about because we mix around in our minds the various uh, gospel yeah. readings yeah we, we we very often don't get the uh, pleasure of reading them in order so um yeah. getting the thematic narrative differences between the different writings are often lost on us as a result of kind of breaking them up so <clears throat> yeah. yeah okay but if you do that you'll be even more prepared to I was going to say, get something out of the sermon. I think it's a little egotistical. At least understand <laughs> what I'm getting at. <laughs> right, 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 right. Better, better, better align you with the the the, right. the point with that you're, you're going processes. to make. <laughs> right. Good, good, good. All right. Well, then, with that, I think we'll call to a close this year' podcast for March twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. Uh, the uh, Palm Sunday service, and um, as I said at the top. Um, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, uh, feel free to check out our website to see anything and everything that we are uh, looking forward to doing or even uh, some of the things that we've done recently just to yeah. kind of catch up on, on, uh, on what we've done in Lent and, uh, and, uh, but also then uh, seeing some of the things being promoted for uh, this next season. So 
uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, and as always, you can always uh, email us with uh, questions or comments at uh, shortcut at hfec.org. Uh, and we'd be happy to receive those. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.